I'm former Congressman Gary Franks. And I'm his son, Gary. I'm millennial. We're discussing everything from politics to sports and pop culture. From very different perspectives. We speak frankly. When it comes to sports, I think the leader, you know, or the position that people want a leader to show the most is at the quarterback position in football. They have to take all the blame. They don't really get a whole lot of credit for anything. But they also have to motivate and encourage the people around them. And I think that's very important uh, for me as a person I want uh, leading not just uh, a business or the country or anything. I want someone to be able to motivate and to be able to um, encourage um, other people to to do what they want to do, or not just what they want to do, but be able to understand what they are asking for, you know, from me or any other person. Um, so to me, leadership is very important uh, when it comes to basically everything that we do. You know, not just, you know, you need people to follow you and you need people to believe, you know, um, you know who you are and everything. And, and that's... And that's- and Gary, I agree, and that's what's that's exactly what's needed in politics as well. Because when you look at um, who you are going to vote for, you are not voting for people that you don't believe in. You're not voting for people that you don't trust. And so, and you love people who are who've demonstrated their ability to win. And what does that ability to win mean? It doesn't mean okay, you're you're perfect, or we won every election. No, it doesn't. But your resume gives people the feeling that you are a successful individual and everything that you've done to to accomplish your your goals in life, even just the mere fact that you graduated from college, because a lot of people don't don't achieve that goal. uh, That's an achievement that shows you're a winner. And and it shows that um, you were able to do it in four years. A lot of people who graduated don't do it in four years. That that shows you're a winner, and that's important because because people like to to be associated with people who are winners. Why? Because you, your ability to demonstrate success in the past is the best predictor of your ability to produce successful outcomes in the future. No, I agree. I think that's how it is uh, for every business as well. Um, if you look at it, most uh, businesses, if they are interested in what another uh, tech creator, you know, what you use, for example, uh, Apple, for example, when they bought the Beat headphones, they bought the Beat headphones because they saw that a lot of people were interested in it. And a lot of people mm-hmm. wanted uh, headphone technology like that. So they were able to see how important how important it was uh, in the culture and how much it uh, persuaded people to actually buy these type of uh, things. And they said, you know what, this is a great idea. Let's buy it. But mm-hmm. because, because it was doing so well, people were interested, you know, they were interested in actually buying it. So yeah, mm-hmm. I agree. People want to invest in companies that are winning. Not just companies, yeah. but people that are winning as well. And then it's also it's very important for people to see that you're strong, and they they knew when they were buying those beats that hey this is Dr. Dre, 
you know, so right. they, right. they knew of the legend of Dr. Dre. They know of the legend of of uh, of the company in, in general. So if they see that something or someone is strong, people like to be associated with people that are strong. And whether that's a person who, is, who shows strength on the football field or uh, or strength on the basketball field, like Shaquille O'Neal, you follow people like that. You follow people like who are strong. You don't follow people who who demonstrate that they're weak. You don't follow people who seem to get rattled and nervous whenever it becomes uh, crunch time. And you see that in the players' eyes. You see that when on, on the basketball court. The, the players who who are weak, they get nervous when the, when when things get tough. While those who are who are strong don't get they don't show that type of of um, of discomfort about going through a situation. They they have what's known as poise, and that's very important. In fact, that's one of the reasons why in politics, Gary, they have debates. The, the most important thing about debates is not really what the guy or, or the lady is saying. It's how they're saying it and how they maintain their composure. And that was manifest years ago. I'll never forget this in 1960, Gary. I'm about to bring it up to Nixon, the Nixon Kennedy Yeah, Nixon Kennedy debate. The people who, who actually heard the debate on radio thought that Nixon just kicked John F. Kennedy's butt. But all they were, they heard the substance of what Nixon was saying. And Nixon, having been a vice president for eight years, he, he had the ability to gain a lot of knowledge and intelligence. And he was a senator before that. And he and John Kennedy entered Congress at the same time. You know, he, he had the facts. But the people who saw the debate on TV, hands down, felt that Kennedy won. Now, why? Because Nixon was sweating. He looked nervous on TV. He kept wiping his brow with his handkerchief. He looked like he was scared to death. While Jack Kennedy had a smile on his face, just kept talk, talking calmly, didn't and didn't look nervous. Now, people didn't know at the time that John F. Kennedy was wearing makeup, and Nixon didn't think of a man that men wore makeup, and he didn't have makeup on. So even though the temperature was the same for, for both people, because he had makeup on John F. Kennedy, he didn't appear to have been, been sweating, and he looked more comfortable. So, and yet, and that turned the election around. So, so people, people get nervous when they see you being nervous and, and that almost goes even for your kids, your family, your, for your, for your, if your father looks, father looks nervous about something, you just created a lot of nervous people in the house. So you can't, it's just, and that's not a good thing. So leaders must recognize they cannot show lack of strength. It's so, so, so critical. Right, because what happens is you end up not believing the person. That is right. And then that goes and back to honesty and how important that is for a leader as well. That is right. If you don't believe in the in the person that's leading you, then and then it creates a major problem. It it creates a major problem, and that is why sometimes a, a decision is better than no decision. You can't just not make a decision because by you're not making a decision, you've just made a decision. And it just and it's, it becomes very very scary for folks. And the other thing that makes politics a little different, Gary, than than sports or or entertainment is that politics 
depends on a person being able to get the majority of the folks in the room to follow them because majority always rules. And in politics, the majority opinion is the one that everyone has to go along with. So if you get the 51% of the room going a certain way, everyone has to go along with it. Let me give you an example. Yeah, sure. Years ago, years ago, Gary, and, 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 and in fact, in some small communities in, in Connecticut, they have what's known as a town hall type of government, a town government. And that would mean that the first selectman, who's not mayor, first selectman, and then the other side, because they always want two, two sides of, all, of every issue, they will call the entire town in, and the first selectman will make his pitch for the city's direction, and someone else will make another pitch. And then right there, that same night, everyone has to vote on which one they would like to go with. And the person who gets 51% rules. And then the town is, 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 is ruled in that manner. Now, they, they did this frequently on Gilmore Girls. There's several sections of episodes of Gilmore Girls where they had episodes where they would all come together as a community and then they would have person talk and then they would have a vote right on the spot. And that's known as the town government. Now, we don't do that. In any other form, we have a representative government. We, we vote and we elect a person to serve on a city council to represent this, a, a, a portion of the city, or we elect the person to become a state rep, and then they go to Hartford or to the Capitol, and they, they cast votes to, to move the state in one direction or another. But in very small communities, and early on they did this all the time, it would just be all the farmers, all the people come together, all the community leaders come together. They're in one room, they ask questions, they listen to a presentation, they ask questions, and then they vote. And that's, that's how it's done. And that's a direct, they call that the direct democracy versus a representative democracy. But in all instances, what, regardless of what type of democracy it is, majority rules. And so when you're a leader in politics, you have to make sure that you have the majority of the people with you. And, and that, that's, that's part of your job is to educate your constituents as to what is going on so they understand why you're voting a certain way. And you also learn from your constituents as you're educating them. Now, every congressman have, will have town meetings. In fact, you see some of the presidential candidates have town meetings. And that is to allow people to come in and actually talk to their representative and have the representative respond to any questions that the community would have. And that's how the, the congressman is made aware of the feelings of the people in their district in many instances. Now they can get calls, they can get letters, they can get emails, but the direct way, the old fashioned way is just having a meeting and then to having the people in the community come in and talk and having the congressman persuade or at least allow the public to see why he voted a certain way on a particular issue. I think that goes to another important thing about leadership, at least for me, I don't know uh, for you as well, but relatability. You know, I think, you know, just mentioned what you were talking about before, when a house member or a local official goes to these town meetings or town halls, um, hearing how people 
feel and what people want to see changed or what they, you know, just want to get their opinions um, across allows the local politician or politician or official to actually see their constituents and actually be like, hey, not I'm just like you, except I'm the person that was voted to have this position. And I feel like sometimes there's a gap between that, especially as you go up higher in the political ranks where I feel like they're looking, I might say they're looking down at you, but the relatability sometimes doesn't really, you know, isn't really there. Well, sometimes what happens, Gary, is that they don't reach out to their constituents. And we lived in one place for about 14 years. I never heard of once of the of the congressman for that area calling for a town meeting never i used to have town meetings three or four a year in every part of my district and notified my constituents where it was going to be usually it was in a library or or a school auditorium um but because some individuals do not have to worry about getting reelected, they don't do that part of their job and that's a very sad statement, but it's very true. Um, so, and it's it's really the, the the heart of being a representative is to know what your constituents would think. And I was going to bring that up. You know, how do they know what they should be fighting for if well, they don't talk to their constituents? Well, but how do you know? Now, what we did, and I once again, I never in, in fourteen years living where we lived and i never once got this either but i would send out what's known as a franking piece which was a newsletter that would actually ask questions of all of my constituents their opinion on various issues now today i believe some members are doing that in some shape form or or fashion through social media i would hope but back when i served we sent out mailers and we, we and they were questionnaires and we would ask them how do they feel about xyz issue or how do you feel about this issue how do you feel about that issue and then they would mail them back and we would be able to see how our constituents felt on, on particular issues if we had a hot vote during my period in time in congress our phones would be lit up and that still is the case today because you are encouraged to call your congressman and to express your your opinion about various issues. In fact, Gary, when you worked for Senator Scott, you, body cameras were a big deal. You did that. You you yep. you were taking calls on a regular basis, and they were from. You didn't care if they were from South Carolina. You say, okay, fine. Why don't you call your own senator? But if the person called from South Carolina, you took that call and you recorded that information and you passed it on to the senator. And that is how, and that's how representative government is supposed to work because you, it is representative government. You're not there just to vote the way you want to um, vote. You are trying to, on all on all issues, you're trying to be as representative to uh, of your constituents as possible. It's not that I was all the time. I wasn't. And sometimes I felt very strongly about an issue that I knew most of my constituents did not agree with me on. But at least you knew where they, you know, where they. You know, I'm stood on situations, mm-hmm. which is important. That's right. They knew where I stood and they knew why I felt differently than they did. Following three terms on the city council and three terms in Congress, former Congressman Gary Franks' consulting firm has helped scores of companies, 
large Fortune 500 firms, small businesses, and even startup companies secure millions of dollars in federal government contracts and international business opportunities. Congressman Franks, a Yale grad, author, Fortune 500 executive, and former visiting professor at Georgetown University, UVA, and Hampton University, will use his knowledge, experience, relationships, and strategic plan model to help you reach that next level of success. Schedule your participation in an upcoming webinar to learn just how Congressman Franks can help you. For more information, email gary at garyfranks.org now. Key aspect of, uh, of being a, a good leader is that you must have people following you. So that's, a, that's kind of basic, but it's, it's, it's very fundamental. Now, in some instances, people follow because you're, you're a higher rank, you're, you're a colonel or you're a captain and, and they're only a sergeant or a private. So people are going to naturally follow you. Why? Because of the prospects of being punished. Um, once again, the definition of power is the ability to get people to do something they would not normally want to do by use of rewarding or punishing them. Uh, just want to get that kind of that political definition out there. And so a leader must have individuals following him. <clears throat> and for, as far as politics is, is concerned, um, to get elected as a leader, you need to have certain qualities that would cause people to feel very comfortable supporting you. But those qualities, Gary, are very similar to the, to the qualities of a basketball player, very similar to the qualities of a, of a basketball or football coach. It's very similar to the qualities of a person working for a major corporation because a leader is, is the term is transferable. It's not just something that can, you can say, oh, wow, this is a political leader. No, if you're a leader, you got you, number one, you have to be a good person because people aren't going to follow bad people. They're just not. If they feel that you are a bad person or you've done bad things in the past, they're not following you. Um, now, you, you have to also recognize that good people sometimes are pretty boring, but the really outstanding political leaders are the ones who are not just good people, but they can almost make you smile. They can almost put a smile on their face when they're talking to you on from time to time, not when there's a crisis, but from time to time, they can make you smile because you like to, you like to follow people that you want to follow people that you like. It's another aspect of a good of a, of a leader, and people must see this. If they don't see this, they're not following you. They have to see that you work hard. They have to see that you are a person who would really give of their all at all times. And think about it. When you look at Kobe Bryant, or you look at Michael Jordan, or, or LeBron James, or any of the players we've talked about, those individuals practice so hard, and they work so hard, and, and it causes other people to want to follow them, and, and almost train like they would train. Um, so people love to see, and that's the same in politics. If they see an individual who who's really putting in the time and working hard, people like that. But you're going to see that on the high level. You're going to see that in the congressmen and senators because they wouldn't. It's hard to get to that position without having worked really hard. I think, Another attribute. Uh, mm -hmm. I think also a very important is 
is for that person to show that they actually care about that is the right. people that are that are around them and not trying to do it just for themselves or you know as you get higher you know for the quote unquote fame or the camera or whatever it is uh, do you believe that's important i think that's very important and people have to feel that you're part of the team just like a coach has to um, give that feeling to, to to his players and every player on the team has to give each each other that feeling that we're all in in this together that's very important they have to feel that you care. They have to feel that you're being very honest with them. That is very important. You can't, you can't, you know, say to folks, "Hey, we're going to win this game. There's no way we're going to lose this game." And in the locker room, when you look out and you look at the other team, and that the other team doesn't have a person under six seven, you can't say that because no one, your players are not going to believe you. And all of a sudden, the, that trust is going to be gone, not just for that game, but for the future. So you have to say, hey, guys, we're going to give it our all. And and this is a measurement of how good a team we are. We're not, you know, we don't even, we're not saying we're going to lose, but we don't really give people false expectations. In fact, you may want to even do, do the reverse and say, hey, this is going to be a game in which if we lose by, you know, if they – put us to bed in the first quarter, you know, I wouldn't be surprised, but if we can hang in there in four quarters without throwing in the towel, we would have made a, we would have really done well. So you, you can't, you got to be honest with people. And another quality of a good leader, Gary, is that people expect a good leader to be intelligent. You don't have to be a rocket scientist, but they, they really expect you to know a little bit more than they do because in many instances you would as a leader because you're getting a lot of information from other people. And so that is why when you look at um, whether it's Governor Cuomo or or, or President Trump um, or, or whether you're looking at the weatherman, they have information that we don't have. They have sources of gathering information that we can't put our hands on. So we, we actually listen and follow the, 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 the weatherman because he's telling us something that should happen because of the technology that's supporting those, those beliefs. We understand that the, the president has dozens of people, experts in their field, giving their opinion and advice on which direction he should go on a particular issue. And that's all very good. And the people expect that because... Being a politician is like any other occupation. We don't really want to see how your uh, dinner is made in the restaurant. We just want to eat the food. So people don't really want to see how you make sausage. They just want to eat the sausage because they're busy. They have a life out there. They got to do other things and support their family. They, they, they're not interested in getting into the nitty gritty of how sausage is made. And so in most instances, people are not into the nitty gritty of how policy is made. They just want to, they want a solution. Can you give an example of your first, I guess, leadership? The first time you showed leadership as, you know, as a lower, not lower, local level uh, politician? Okay. Um, I got myself into a lot of trouble on this, but a leader does step forward and is not afraid to be in front of the line. 
And that was when the mayor of Waterbury wanted to give the Hispanic community a remodeled supermarket for a school. And I literally stood up and, and, and opposed that measure. And I was opposing my own party, the Republican party. And I was opposing them so vigorously that the Democrats joined me in stopping the mayor from getting what he wanted to do. So when you do that, it's, it's, it's a situation where in many instances there are repercussions for your actions. So you get, you get punished when you, when you do things that would, uh, in some instances, show courage or, or leadership. But I was willing to take whatever punishment was going to come my way. But the bottom line of it is um, it ended up being the right thing to do. And today, th that Hispanic community in Waterbury, they have a school that was built from the ground up, and it's a beautiful school. The reason why I asked that question is because I feel like a lot of uh, people don't really realize that you can lead even from a local perspective. Because I think a lot of people will just look at the, the, the House and the Senate and the President, but not actually look at it from a local level. Um, are there a lot of opportunities to show your leadership skills or, or, or just show leadership in the community in a local level? Yes, tons of them, because once again, every level, they have their responsibilities. And when you're on a local level, even though you may say, well, this is kind of small or it doesn't mean that much, it, it, it can mean a whole lot for the people who live in that in that area or in that city. And one of the areas that I focused in on was trying to uh, deal with the abandoned lots in Waterbury. What would happen is the city would tear down the old building and just leave it there. Nothing would happen to just pave it up and that's it. Well, that would become a place where people would dump their garbage because it's nothing's there. So they'll put garbage there or they would put a car there, an abandoned car, or they would put tires there. And all of a sudden you have all these eyesores all over the city. And, and we addressed that situation and we started to, to, to give lots to people and allow them to build homes on those empty lots instead of allowing the people in the community to, uh, to dump in those lots. And we also did greater patrols of those lots as well. So that, that's one, one example. Uh, we had a situation where, where in many instances in federal level, state level, and, and local level, you're looking at funding issues, whether or not uh, monies would go to a certain organization. On the city level, the city would get their monies through what's known as property taxes. So they would get their monies when you would pay taxes on a house that you would own, a car that you would own. The state would get their money every time you make a purchase. There's a state sales tax. So when you buy anything, you buy a, a tape recorder, you buy, you buy uh, boxes, anything that you may buy, states have a 4%, 5%, maybe 6% sales tax, and that's how they derive their income. The federal government derives their income on a personal income tax and also on corporate taxes 
and taxes on 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 um, stocks and bonds and things of that nature, but that's part of your income tax. So those are the three ways they re they receive dollars. So once you get those dollars, whether you're in this local level, state level, or federal level. If you're a city councilman, you're, you are responsible for making sure that the monies that you've collected from the people in your community would be spent properly. And one of my jobs, at least I took this upon myself to do, was to make sure that it was done fairly and that the black community and the brown community did not lose funding or at least receive the same amount of funding as other parts of the city of Waterbury. And there were times in which the mayor wanted to cut funding for the black community and I stood tall and and fought it and made sure the funding would be replaced, would be would remain in there. Um, had to do that on the federal level several times because some Republicans wanted to eliminate Head Start and I fought it. It didn't make headlines or anything because after I basically um, screamed and yelled at them for a little while, they all acquiesced and backed down. But examples of leadership because you 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 have to kind of step forward and maybe people expected me to do do those things because in, in the case of being a city councilman I was the only black person on the board so I protected and looked out for the black community and the brown community and as an alderman and as a congressman I was the only black person in the Republican conference for many years but it didn't stop there there was instances where I saw wrongs that were being done in all communities when they had people building large numbers of condominiums on properties that had been rezoned. And in many instances, they were not um, sites that should have a large number of condominiums on them. I fought that and I wrote legislation to protect the citizens of Waterbury so that they would be notified of any potential zone change so they can voice their objection to those zone changes, which would force a, a supermajority vote of the of the zoning commission. So there are a number of ways, Gary, you can show leadership and, and make a difference on the local level, uh, state level, and obviously on the federal level. Now, I just had a question. What is Head Start? I'm not too... Um, oh, yeah. Head Start. Yeah. yeah, I kind of jumped ahead of myself. Yeah. Head Start is a program that would give all individuals, especially those who are poor, the ability to get started in school before actually going to the public grade school, before going to kindergarten. So, you know, we pay for you guys to go to, go to uh, um, a, a preschool. And if you can't afford to go to a nursery school, you can go to Head Start. And Head Start's paid by the federal government for four-year-olds to go before they go to kindergarten. Great program. So we're out of time for today. We'll see you guys next time. Don't forget to subscribe.